Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail, and today I'm joined by the two Pauls, Paul Chalk, Paul Third, and Sean Wallace is here as well. How are we guys? Good, thanks. All good, Ryan? Good, thanks. Keep getting quite sing-songy with that, how are we guys, but I need, to, I need to rein that in slightly. Okay, today we'll be discussing Aberdeen's 1-0 win over Dundee at Pataudry on Saturday. It wasn't a thriller, but it has has put to bed the spectre of relegation that was haunting the Dons. Over the last few weeks, Ross County picked up a valuable point with their 0-0 draw with Hearts at Tynecastle. Moves them into a very strong position for Europe, I would say. Cali Thistle as well, after their Friday night championship closer, whatever you want to call it. They obviously recorded a brilliant 2-1 win down at Partick Thistle in their playoff quarter-final first leg on Tuesday so we'll have that to discuss as well as our lower league teams who we'll touch on a little bit towards the end. But yes, first, Aberdeen. Aberdeen, who this morning announced that Willie Garner will be joining their board as a non-executive director. Another another legend in an official capacity at Pataudry. But yes, the game at the weekend, Sean, we were both there. The relegation battle is won, although Jim Goodwin isn't going that far yet, but... I mean, it was a it was a hard fought win against Dundee in the end. They didn't make it easy for themselves in the first half. They looked quite nervous, didn't they? Yeah, I wasn't overly optimistic at half time that Aberdeen were going to get the win. I mean, I thought they looked very nervous at the back, quite vulnerable. I mean, they had to rely on Joe Lewis with a couple of uh, good saves to keep them half nil uh, nil at half time. So I, did, I was getting the fear after 45 minutes, that, oh no, here we go. But thankfully they got a job done and I know it's eight points ahead with uh, three games left. It's mathematically still possible that they can get dragged in, but it's not going to happen. They're, they're safe. I mean, it's mathematically possible I could win a lot of them, but that's not going to happen either. So, no. <laughs> Do you think um, there was... Obviously, at the back deck, Gallagher and David Bates uh, made a few errors, played a few of their teammates into trouble in the first half. Do you think going forward, there was maybe a bit too much um, of a determination to play through the middle? They seemed to be quite sort of limited to long-range pot shots at a certain point. And the first half, there was only one moment where they really threatened, and it was when they got the ball wide to Bazell, and he kind of cut along the byline and almost got the ball to Ramirez and... Ultimately, I think that really proved to be the formula in the second half, didn't it? Getting the ball wide, Bazelwin running at Kami Kerr, I think it was, the Dundee right-back. He was getting a lot of change out of him, wasn't he? I think that was the, the difference. I mean, the first half, it was just, they were restricted to long-range efforts that were, like, fizzing past. Didn't really trouble Dundee whatsoever. But in the second half, they got a bit more width, uh, and they looked more dangerous. And Bezuin, I thought he had a fantastic game. Very dangerous. I mean, he's fast. Takes on players. What I like about him is he's, he's so direct. He just runs at a player, takes him on, and he forces a decision from a defender. And more often than not, it turns out to be a foul. In terms of the other players that impressed me, I would say Connor Barron. That was kind of, I've seen him in the flesh before, but I think he had a re busy sort of game in the middle of the park for such a wee guy he doesn't have to get about and throw himself into challenges and kind of you, you notice him throughout the game making an impact I thought Jack McKenzie as well was quite good going forward that sort of combination with Bazell and down the left hand side in the second half with the overlaps was quite a it was it was an overload that Dundee couldn't cope with well it was good 
I was just uh, happy to see Jack McKenzie back and playing well. It's been such a frustrating season for him. I mean, he started off the campaign with a bang, and he looked like he would go on and have a, a very, very positive impact. And then he's just been like dogged by injury problems for six months. I mean, after the, the game, he spoke to the press and he just documented he had calf problems. Yeah, I think it was the thigh. It was, I think he came back in November against Dundee United and thought that's that's the end of his injury problems. Then he was replaced at half time because of a recurrence, and then we didn't see him again until February. So I think there's been a lot of, rightly so, a lot of focus on Calvin Ramsey this season. But you shouldn't forget that on the other side, Jack McKenzie has a lot of talent and. Hopefully he will be uh, injury-free next season and be able to make a real impact. And Conor Barron, I mean, he's just a class act. And you, you look at him and for how young he is and how short a period he has in, had in that team, he just, he's got such a dominant personality. He just sort of tries to dictate play and he's like talking to his teammates. I think Barron is a player you can build a team around. He's just a, a fantastic young talent. I'm gonna, I, I might get pelters for saying this, but what sort of his stature and the way he was moved about the centre of the park, although he was moving about a bit quicker, what, what he actually reminded me of was, was Charlie Adam a little bit, who's playing for, for Dundee, albeit Charlie Adam is now far older than Conor Varen is. Uh, we discussed last week Christian Ramirez uh, potentially leaving the club in the summer, the mood music pointing that way with social media posts and just how sort of disillusioned he's maybe looked in his performances of late. Uh, the last week, the Dundee game hasn't done much to dispel that, has it, Paul? Not for me, no. Um, he's the epitome of the frustrated footballer at the minute in terms of, you see, I think Jack McKenzie had a shot that went fizzing wide and he's raging at him when you see you look back and you see the footage he's raging that he doesn't get the ball played in then he has the sub being substituted and there's the kicking at the bottles i think that is just sheer frustration that things are just not going his way in front of goal we touched on it last week his, his family situation he's in a different country he's on his toy again it's tough it's a it's a tough spell for him um what the future holds i don't know but i'm with you ryan the the, the signs are not they're not looking promising no. I have to be honest I I watched him uh, when Ferguson slotted home the penalty I actually I was in the Dick Donald stand and I actually made a point of watching Ramirez who was obviously sitting at the extreme end of the bench and it was very much one of them where everyone next to him was giving it the full like the full applause and he was almost doing that like two finger the golf clap little <laughs> <laughs> little little clap. I think when he when he first went off after he'd kicked the water bottle, he actually tried to put a subs jacket over his head as well so he didn't have to watch on. But yeah, I mean there were little moments as well like in terms of the actual football itself, there were little moments with Bazelin, who we've already talked about, played the first half ball, played it right across the face of goal, and there was one in the second half that was quite similar, that sort of low cross it beats everyone almost, but you almost thought to yourself Ramirez almost gets to both of them and you kind of think if that was six months ago would you have got to them? Would you have been a bit more eager to get to them? Yeah, it's a tough one. I was just going to say on Ramirez I mean granted he hasn't scored since uh, Jim Goodwin came in in mid-February and he, he 
he's not the player he was at the start of the season, but I don't think we should overlook that he still scored 15 goals in a team that is woefully underperformed for the campaign and he's been denied service for so much of that uh, season. I think it's remarkable that he managed to score 15 at all. Well, he's still got a few games left to rediscover his love of football. With Aberdeen, uh, the first opportunity he'll have is Hibs at Easter Road this weekend. Willie Miller was talking about, I know Jim Goodwin's, I think even today, in the Press and Journal and Evening Express, talked up the Don's chances of still finishing seventh, the best of the top six. But Willie Miller was more of the opinion that you don't win anything for finishing seventh and this is a time to experiment to to give young players a bit more game time, the likes of Dante Polvara, players like that. Are you in agreement with that, Sean? Well, <coughs> finishing seventh isn't getting my juices flowing. <laughs> I mean, it's not... It's seventh, ninth, does it really make any difference? It's still failure. The only thing is, I'm all in favour of... Uh, giving fringe players a chance and experimenting, but there's not that much fringe players you can give a chance to. No. Dante Polvara is the one that I would like to see get more game time. When he arrived in January, granted he had like his, his operation, but now he's back fully fit. I, I'm just curious to see, having come from college football, how he can cope with the Scottish Premiership, how big a step up it is for him how easily he can make that transition. And he hasn't had any opportunity, really. I mean, two fleeting late substitute appearances. You're not getting any real opportunity to make an impact. So I would like to see more of Dante Povara because, I mean, he's, he's still got, I think it's two years left of his contact. He's a young talent that was talked up a lot when he arrived. So let's see what he's made of. Yeah, he's in that strange situation where he hasn't played. He's he coming under the previous manager, hasn't played and you kind of you wonder what Jim Goodwin maybe makes of him we haven't really had any sort of idea yeah. of what he thinks yet he, he is the question mark of the squad because he's the guy that we've seen for about a combined total of two and a half minutes I think it's next to nothing so we've got no idea what his actual qualities are and how well suited he is to Scottish football but it's it's funny I mean we're, we're talking about who can you give a chance to I mean, look at the bench Last weekend, you've got Andy Considine. Well, that's not exactly going to be a, an experimental choice at this stage of, of Andy's career. And it's been a season where you've already brought Ramsey, McKenzie and Barron through. And I, I I am of the opinion the focus should be on trying to finish this campaign as strong as you can to get just a bit of momentum, anything, positivity going into the new campaign. I mean, looking at Saturday, Ross McCrory is going to come back in for sure. And then the other guys, again, going back to the bench last week, Considine, Fonso Ojo, Michael Ruth, Dylan McGeech, Adam Montgomery, Teddy Jenks. We're not expecting any of them to be here next season. And that only left two other candidates in Gary Woods and Connor McLennan. Well, I think we know all about both of them at this point. If Matty Kennedy was available, I'd like to see him in there. But there's no others that are coming to mind for me. I would have liked to see Jim Goodwin sub on Gary Woods in the middle of the game. I mean, that would have been, that would have been quite interesting. Uh, Outfield. <laughs> yeah. Just to mix it up. Up front, to be fair. Uh, Michael Ruth, you mentioned there, Paul, obviously earlier this week we broke the story that Luke Turner, who was getting rave reviews for his loan spell in Northern Ireland, as well as Michael Ruth, striker Michael Ruth, and Tyler McKeeter, who'd spent uh, the campaign at Fermartin on loan, then Elgin on loan, then Fermartin on loan, they all appear to be 
among the, the players, the young players that we had for the exit door this summer. Any surprises there? Do you think Luke Turner possibly a little bit yeah. of a surprise? T- Turner was the one I thought could be offered a new deal. Um, he's played, I think, about 40 games, I think, for Cliftonville, um, and he's done well by all accounts. The fans really want him to, to be signed up and, and kept next year, so there is possibly a chance of that happening. He's a Dubliner. There could be more than football decisions behind these matters. Who knows? Um, as for Michael Ruth, I think he played about a dozen games or so for Falkirk. He's made a couple of late appearances off the bench. And Makita, you touched on, he's been in League Two or the Highland League. So every manager tells you how tough telling young kids they won't be getting a deal is. But you can't keep everybody. And if there are others coming up through the academy, then you've got to clear a pathway for them somehow towards that first-team squad. And this is just that ugly side of the, the job, I guess, for a manager. Luke Turner was a surprise for me. I, I anticipated him being offered a new contract because he did well at Cliftonville. I mean, I was looking through it today and I mean, it was only two months ago the manager, Paddy McLaughlin, said that Turner had been a revelation throughout the season. I mean, he, he played in the League Cup final, which they won, uh, a regular starter, so I thought he potentially could have got another deal and have stayed on. Michael Ruth, he's been at Petodri three years now, made a few subs appearances. I think he's made uh, four, and so three years on, he's made no real impact. It's not. I don't think it's a surprise that Michael Ruth's uh, leaving. Disappointing for him because he came with a lot of sort of a lot of hope, but it just didn't work out. Yeah, I suppose we'll just have to wait and see if these guys follow the kind of Michael Rose trajectory of, you know, rising back up from their dawn's disappointment or sick without a trace. Anyway, let's move on and to our Highland teams, Ross County and Cali Thistle. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Right, Paul, Paul C. County. Bit of a disappointment over the last week in that they had a lot of nominations for the various awards. Scottish Football Writers Association, PFA Scotland, Malky Mackay was up for Manager of the Year, Regan Charles Cook was up for Player of the Year. Didn't win anything, but I think if you'd offered them a point against Hearts at the weekend with Motherwell, their arch rivals for Europe to come this weekend, they'd probably have accepted that as a week's work, yeah? Yeah, you're right. I mean, a big disappointment, I think, from the county fans on online, in particular with the goal of the season, um, not going to uh, Joseph Hungle. A scandal, might I, might I add. But I mean, <laughs> it's because it's because it's public voted, isn't it? Yeah, I think that one, that one is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it, it, the Staggies fans felt that that was the, the clear winner, but everyone's going to back their own team and their own, own players, I suppose. But uh, that's the beauty of these awards. It opens debates and that's what we, we love about it. But from Ross County's point of view, Big, big point at Tyne Castle spoke uh, last week about the, the fact that's now three times that County have held Hearts, the third best team in the, the country, and it could be a valuable one. It's all eyes. As soon as this, the fixtures come out for the split, 
the fact that Ross County were home to Motherwell and home to Dundee United, their direct rivals for Europe. Given Ross County's strong home form, this is a real, real opportunity, and that's a valuable point earned at Tynecastle. They can move uh, to within one win of clinching European qualification if they beat Motherwell this weekend, of course. And uh, um, my colleague Andy Skinner was at the Ross County press conference yesterday and he was telling me Malky is particularly delighted right now by the clean sheets they're keeping. It's four clean sheets in seven. And uh, two of the three that they haven't kept clean sheets are the Celtic games. So that tells you that they're doing the business at the back and uh, there's a real solidity about them uh, ahead of this one. They're looking forward to this one. In terms of the form book... With, against Motherwell this season are we expecting a county to go into this one I know they're at home but as, as favourites yeah I think they would be slight favourites uh, they've uh, lost the first one and then it's back to back wins against Motherwell um, including a, a gutsy one at, at New Year where they were down to 10 men and uh, locked at 1-1 and they came through to win 3-1 so they're going uh, I think there's a lot of uh, puzzlement as to why I hate Motherwell have ended up in the top six. It seemed as if Livingston eh, obviously were going to get there and then it was that dramatic eh, last gasp eh, result that took Motherwell into the top six. So they don't have great form about them. County timed their run to perfection to, to make the top six, you know, and um, getting clean sheets at places like Aberdeen, Tynecastle and, you know, Fir Park previously as well will give them give them hope. There's a real sense that they can make history here. They've got three games to do it. They've got the trip to Ibrox, you know, whereas, you know, Dundee United have still to face the old firm. Celtic have got, uh, sorry, County have got Celtic out the way as it is. So these two games uh, are are crucial. And and what a turnaround it has been for the the Staggies. But uh, all eyes on this one, they can just about be over the line if they defeat uh, the Fir Parkers. Yeah, Motherwell, another one of those teams that makes... Aberdeen look worse by virtue of the fact they didn't win for how long and they still made yeah. it into the, the top six. In terms of uh, the goalkeeping situation at County, obviously it's a bit precarious in that Ross Laidlaw is now their kind of one fit senior goalkeeper. Is that right? Ashley Maynard Brewer has dislocated yeah. his shoulder. He was on loan anyway, wasn't he? Yeah, he on loan from Charlton, so he um, spoke to the press yesterday, and it's in today's uh, press and journal as well that um, he will be going back there. You know, injury um, has forced his, his season is now over. I think it was the Rangers game earlier this year where he w- was injured, and uh, that opened the door for Ross Laidlaw, who had to be patient. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ross Laidlaw. I think um, y- you know he is a, a really top. Perf- Former, I think, uh, in terms of um, Ashley Brewer, he came in and it took him a little bit of time, admittedly, to find his feet. But he got better and better and was a real asset and actually deserved his, his starting position in the team. But um, Laidlaw is really enjoying his football. He's performing really, really well. And uh, he, he's a key reason why they're performing so, so strongly at the back. So, yeah, it's, it's a great... Um, position to be in of course Ros Laidlaw got a, a new deal last summer just uh, ahead of the change of management uh, I think it was announced uh, by Roy McGregor um, on the social media channels uh, on their TV that uh, given that Ross County were safe here's uh, Ross Laidlaw staying so he got a two year deal so he's here for another season and he's a really reliable number one uh, and Malky will no doubt try to get a, a new keeper in for the next season yeah, I know the fans were calling this week for Alex Siakovitti at centre-back to get a new deal as well. He's one that's impressed this season. Anyway, should Ross County win this weekend against Motherwell, you have my permission to pack your Corby trouser press and get ready for the European adventure at the start of next season. Right, Callie Thistle then 
Paul, you were down for the first leg of their playoff quarterfinal at Fir Hill. Rutted Fir Hill on Tuesday night. Decent win. Goal down. Came from behind. The winning goal was uh, quite something, wasn't it? It certainly was. And everyone's speaking about the... Well, two elements to the winning goal. It was Austin Samuels that got it. It doubled his tally. Uh, I think uh, the Aberdeen fans you know, saw... Uh, his loan spell which wasn't exactly successful shall we say through Pataudry but he signed up of course from Wolves on an 18 month deal at Cali Thistle and that's his second of the season since joining uh, but yeah it was all about Shane Sutherland he was a, a terrific uh, man of the match deserved man of the match he was all over the place he's been playing out in the right side um, of of uh, the attack you know, supporting um, Billy McKay really really well but um, his uh, run and delivery for Austin Samuels to bag the winner of course having scored as well with that uh, the instincts to run in after Billy McKay's shot had been spilled by Jamie Sneddon the Partick goalkeeper uh, in came Shane Sutherland to equalise so it was a great turnaround because it 1-0 for Thistle in what wasn't a great game the second half was certainly more lively Thistle took the lead with a, a great move and a, a great finish from Crawford and then Thistle had a real spell after that where you you know the Thistle fans that I sensed a bit of nerves around them before the match but they really did get behind their team and once they, they took the lead you felt there was um, they, they could have grabbed a second goal and that's when Cali Thistle had to stand firm they did and then they, they got and took their opportunities it was a massive win I was saying beforehand I think Cali Thistle would be happy to get back up the road with a draw two real real evenly matched teams Cali Thistle and Patek um, so to actually come up with the, the upper hand now they'll probably try and go for the win and if the draw's the best they get well then they're through to face Arbroath in the semis Yeah it feels like they've very much got one foot in the semis at this point Shane Sutherland though just to touch a little bit more on him obviously been back at Elgin a few times previous attempts at going full time haven't really worked out for Shane I think it's safe to say now that this attempt at going full time and making an impact at that level has has worked. It has worked, yeah. And he spoke about it this this week as well that um, he wants one more shot at getting to the, the Premiership. You know, he was a younger player uh, with limited opportunities back then. Although his goal against a winning goal against Celtic at the Caledonian Stadium is fondly remembered by the Cali Jags fans here back in the day. But uh, yeah, he's. Um, now uh, had that lower level experience and he's been handed this opportunity back at Cali Thistle and he wants to uh, have another shot at Premiership football but he really has been terrific he's the top league scorer for Cali Thistle I think he's up to 12 goals now so only three behind Billy McKay and he's got a real eye on um, adding to that tally I know um, uh, Kurt Broadfoot as well is going to be uh, searching down goals this this weekend. He scored uh, two goals for Cali Thistle uh, this season, both at home to Patrick Thistle. So he'll be looking for more of the same on Friday. And uh, what, a, what a way to sign off the, the week if they could get through this one. Right, let's look forward eagerly to tomorrow night then. In the next section, we'll discuss finally in this week's episode of the Northern Goal, Cove, Peterhead and Elgin City. Right, I put on my notes for this. As you've all seen, is there literally anything worth talking about now? The Cove Rangers, Peterhead and Elgin City seasons are over. Cove, we already knew from last week's episode that they'd won the title, celebrated winning the title, but it was a bit of an end-of-season thriller, wasn't it, 30? 2-0 down, Harry Milne in his final Cove game gets a, an assist as they come back to win 3-2. 
It was, and it speaks volumes about the attitude and the resilience of Paul Hartley's side because they had nothing to play for. Uh, I'm going to say that, I'm just going to be blunt, they were probably on the lash all week. Let's be honest, they were. <laughs> celebrating celebrating a hard-earned, hard-fought, well-deserved title. And then, oh, by the way, boys, we've still got to go to East Fife. There's one more left. And you're 2-0 down thinking, oh, me, there's hangovers kicking in all over the place here. But no, no, they dug it out. And it's a terrific, I think it's a terrific win. And it just summed up why they are champions of League One and why I think they're going to they're gonna be a decent team. I don't think anybody's going to fancy playing Cove next year in the championship. It's one of those where we've still got all the questions we had in last week's episode in terms of their whether they're going to go for the hybrid model, whether they'll still be part-time, what they'll be doing to upgrade their stadium. But we do hope that Jamie will be able to get some answers out of Cove chairman Keith Moorehouse in the coming days. Airdrionians won, Peterhead won. A game that was notable because it was Simon Ferry, a, a long-serving Peterhead player. I think he's played for Peterhead for seven years. But that was his final game in the centre of the park for Peterhead. Scored an OG to celebrate, but I think everyone <laughs> will remember Simon Ferry's contribution to Peterhead as positive, won't they? Oh, definitely. I mean, he's been a key player for Jim McAnally. I think the running gag was he was Jim's um, adopted son, I think. Because every week Jim would talk up about how good a player he'd been for them that particular afternoon. Um, it's interesting, we're seeing the average age of this Peterhead squad dropping. This season, um, Ferry is away to pursue a new career as a, a football manager. Derek Lyle is now retired, so that average age is just going to come down further. And, and it's been a transitional campaign for the Blue Tune, but they've really finished the season well. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And if they can keep that going at the start of next season, then who knows what the future holds for them. But the important bit, as we know, they, they tend to work season to season at Balmour, but if Jim can keep his squad together and add a couple, I think there's there's huge cause for optimism there. There's been plenty of coverage of where Simon Ferry is going to be a manager and how their the podcast that he's a part of is taking over uh, Lowland League side. I'm glad we've got to this point in the podcast with, without anyone making the joke about Northern Goal taking over a Highland League side or a side in the North Region Juniors or something like that. Peterhead, it should, it should be noted that their leveller at the weekend, Grant Savory, it was a fine finish from him to make it 1-1. Finally then, let's move on to Stranraer 2, Elgin City 0. Anything to say about this one, Chalky? Anything at all? Well, I spoke to Gavin Price after the game and uh, he was really disappointed, as has been the theme all too often. Uh, but summing it up, he said it summed up the season, not clinical enough in both boxes, and that's, that's Elgin, that's why they finished ninth in League 2. I can tell you what we'll be saying it's exactly the same as what we'll be saying at about quarter to two next Sunday when the Dons have finished their season thank goodness it's all over (laughs) well hopefully next time we're talking about Elgin a couple of months from now it's all positive and it stays that way for the entirety of the 2022-23 season but that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal thanks to Paul, Sean and Paul Sean and Paul for joining me today. Cheers, guys. Thank you, Ryan. Cheers. I need to work on some Jamaican rap for an outro for next week. I'll, I'll come back to you. <laughs> if you've got any questions or queries, you can, of course, as always, email northerngoal at dctbd.co.uk. Please like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app and enjoy Friday's Cali Thistle game in the playoffs. Should be a good one, as well as the two games taking place this weekend for Aberdeen and Ross County. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. 
And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.